Политик, политик. Сказал, как обрезал. Элизабет Берни Сквайр, National Director of Research and Special Program Zionist Organization for America. I'm very happy to have you on board with us. Welcome on board in Boutique Politik. Thank you very much for, for, for participating and giving you... Thank you so much, Kirill. Thank you very uh, much. Uh, one of big rabbis in Eretz Royal once said that some people live in Eretz Royal in Israel and they are constantly thinking about money issues, about business abroad. They don't. They like don't, not living in Eretz Royal. And some people in diaspora, they're living in diaspora, but the, all the thoughts and whatever they're thinking and doing, <laughs> it's about Eretz Royal. So they like they living in Eretz Royal. So... <laughs> Yesterday, a friend of mine sent me very. It, it's a Pesach right now. Happy Passover. And uh, I saw, I saw a link from a funeral yesterday of two girls that were killed in Jordan Valley, Mia and uh, Rina. And today, the mother passed away. And I was hearing the person, uh, his uh, the father of the girls. He was talking about them. And the guy, uh, I, I actually daven next to him in Zaytranan and Efrat when I was staying in Efrat. And mm. that was a thing that he sent it to me. And since then, all day and to yesterday and today is all in tears. And all I think about, I can think about only in that last wave of terror that's happening. And it started right before Pesach with all violence and everything. Uh, considering all above said, can I ask you, can, I, can we start with what I want, I want to ask you? Netanyahu invited Lapid last week for security briefing. And when Lapid left, mm -hmm. he started to, he said right away, not that we are behind, like every time there's an issue in Israel, up, there's no opposition, there's no government, everybody, no coalition, no opposition, everybody going together to stand in united front against that threat. And Lapid behaved differently. He said, I came worried and I came out even more worried that government is not proper government. They cannot do stuff. They jeopardize our country. How can we, from our Jewish point of view, describe that such a behavior? It's totally inappropriate. I mean, when, when you're attacked by uh, terrorists and when people are killed, you know, you have to band together and fight them. I mean, there's this group, uh, which you may have heard of, so-called Movement for Quality Government. This is the, the movement that is behind the protests, uh, organized the protests, and is being funded by the U.S. State Department. Uh, one of the other protests that they, uh, that they organized was uh, when Hamas was shooting uh, during May of 2021, when uh, over 10 days they shot 4,600 rockets at Israel. And uh, what uh, the movement for so-called movement for quality government did was they protested Netanyahu during during the time when Hamas is you know Hamas is shooting rockets. He they protested Netanyahu for trying to fight back and to trying to stop this. I mean this this, this is you know it's virtually traitorous. Uh, it's, ever, it's, this yeah. is not the way. Whatever they're doing, don't you think it's like coup d'etat? They're trying to overturn election results and they're trying to prevent government from functioning if any, in any possible way. And it's not like Dantaniago behaved when he was a leader in the opposition when they were in government. You can criticize the government. Depends when and what you are saying. And they're using protests just to get new elections as soon as possible, right? Right. To bring, 
Right, to bring down the gov to bring down this government because it's a total lie. The, these protests where they're screaming no democracy, they're screaming uh, that uh, the elected government is fascist. I mean, th these are total lies. You know, the, the reform, the judicial reform, which you know we were planning to speak about today, um, actually would make democracy uh, improve democracy in Israel. Um, because you wouldn't have an autocratic court which puts itself above the elected officials and which is answerable to nobody. Um, there's no, there's no uh, checks and balances now. So, um, you know, the, the only explanation for it is that they're trying to bring down this government. Okay. But uh, people who are criticizing the reform, and there are a lot of people even on the right side who are saying that reform needs, like, fine-tuning. Like, there are certain things that should be addressed. Uh, like, mm -hmm. for example, um, in Israel there's no constitution, so you have only, an, uh, in, uh, in reality, you don't have three separation of powers in Israel also. You have uh, executive branch and you have judicial branch, because the uh, legislative branch is the same as uh, the majority in Knesset decide what, uh, the majority is a government. Coalition is a government. Every, you know the problem from beginning that there's no constitution. So when you have only two branches of power and executive branch is completely uh, controlled by coalition, and I mean legislative branch is completely controlled by coalition, because uh, anyway it's going to come to voting in Knesset, and if you have like more than 60, you can pass any law, as we can see. Uh, law of dairy. Law of I mean, I, I think the coalition... I, I don't. I don't. I don't think that's true. I think you still have three branches because the coalition. I mean, the the coalitions are fraying all the time, and the uh, executive doesn't have absolute power. I mean, especially when you have these small uh, coalitions, sixty-one, even sixty-four people. If somebody doesn't like what you're doing, they threaten to leave the coalition. So you really. So you really do have a strong. Le you have a strong legislature too. Um, you know, and I agree that there's a problem about the Constitution, but the basic laws have um, been a substitute for the, for the Constitution, and they're supposed to have uh, supposed to have the power of a Constitution. Of course, the Supreme Court doesn't follow them. The problem, the real problem, is the autocracy of the judiciary, which doesn't even follow the basic laws that are passed by the legislature. Which is you know, the, the essence of democracy is government of the people, by the people, for the people, and the legislature is the government is the government that was elected by the people the judges are appointing themselves they they are not answerable to the people you know in the united states what we have is the president who is an elected official appoints the the supreme court judges and the federal judges the senate and the, the, those are other elected officials confirms them in many localities i actually ran for judge uh, where i live for district court judge in many localities the people actually directly vote for the judge but you don't have this in israel in israel you have this committee and the committee is dominated by the judges and by lawyers who've practiced before the judges and have, are, are beholden to the judges and they are the ones who keep selecting themselves um and th this this is not this is definitely not de definitely not democracy and to have you know the, the reform would have made it a little bit more like the american system the american democratic system where you have democracy where you have the people having a say in the judges. I should also mention that the Amer in the, under the American constitutional system, Congress has the power to impeach judges, but the people in Israel don't have the power to impeach judges who aren't following the law. And there's so many examples, and we, we've written about that, the ZOA's written about this a lot, 
Um, there are many examples of this, the Israeli Supreme Court just violating the law, and one of the most egregious recent ones was the um, what happened when Yair Lapid decided on his pretty much on his own that he wanted to give away 300 miles of maritime territory, Israel's maritime territory, to Hezbollah to Hezbollah-controlled Lebanon. Okay, and and basically Hezbollah is getting 100%. Israel is getting nothing from this deal. It's not even a deal directly with Lebanon. There was a separate deal between the U.S. and and Israel, and a separate deal between uh, the U the U.S. and Lebanon because uh, Hezbollah and Lebanon want to make it absolutely clear that they're not making any kind of deals, they don't recognize Israel, um, and that this is not any kind of peace deal. It gives nothing to Israel. And there is, the Supreme Court violated the law because there's, the, there's a basic law which has constitutional effect. One of the basic laws of Israel is that if you give away territory, uh, that you can't give away territory unless you have a supermajority in the Knesset voting for it, that's 80 people, or you have a majority, plus you have a referendum by the entire Jewish people. Because this is, you know, this is the Jewish people's land, and the Supreme it's Court refused I'm to sorry. uphold the law. Lise, I'm sorry for interrupting, but we're talking about disputed maritime borders. It's not land. It's disputed maritime course, borders. Right. It's a line in the right. in this Mediterranean Sea. It's not like established right. territory that you have to take a referendum for. It's a... No, 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 no. Some of the... No, some of the no, some of this is absolutely maritime, established maritime territory of Israel that it gave up. At least for part of it is definitely maritime territory of Israel. And Israel had filed the proper papers to make this its territory for years. And yes, it was disputed because Hezbollah wanted this territory for itself. Um, when, suddenly, when uh, Israel discovered gas fields there. Um, so, so, you know, it became disputed. But for many years, it was never disputed. Ah, okay. That's probably that I didn't follow properly. Uh, then, uh, okay. can, can we take uh, that um, uh, narrative at a, different, a little different angle? Like, imagine that Hezbollah always, Israeli intelligent assessment always been that Sheikh Hassan Nasrallah is always uh, choosing between uh, Iranian interests because he is a Shia uh, ruling party of Lebanon, he's a leader right. of that, and uh, right. essentially in the uh, possible military confrontation with Iran, Israeli military confrontation with Iran, possible in the future, which is possible in the future. He's going to he's he, he's supposed to take a position, and uh, he understands, according to that military, that academia experts, that if he's taken position for Iran and started to show Israel, for example, that's going to be suicide for Lebanon, for Hezbollah, and he's a Lebanon citizen, and he's a citizen of Lebanon. He is a patriot of his country. So in academia, it was always like, you know what, uh, it's not uh, like done deal that he's going to engage himself again in war with Israel, because this time it's not like 2006, Israel is prepared, and that was going to be last for him, last for Hezbollah, and probably last for Lebanon as a country. So when you give him then him an incentive to have peace with Israel, and the way he, when he make money, and out of that deal, all Lebanon, not only Hezbollah, but Lebanon and state budget, of Lebanon going to make money. That deal will allow investors like Total, like France, French people, French companies, come in and start to drill and take that natural gas. And everybody gonna win from that deal, by the way. Israel also gonna win from that deal because some proceeds going to Israel according to what Lapid was presenting at the time of signing the deal. Uh, we will we'll, we'll, we'll discuss the details. I mean, it was presented this way, okay. that it's a win-win for everyone. 
But some everybody got to go for a compromise here. So don't you think that kind of a benefit uh, that Hezbollah and uh, Sheikh Hassan Nasrallah personally and Lebanon as a country, when they benefit from that kind of deal, it's more incentive to keep at least status quo with Israel, not to engage himself in military confrontation. No, I, 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 I would, I look at it in exactly the opposite way. And, and incidentally, you know, as far as Israel benefiting at all, um, the uh, former ambassador to Israel, David Freeman, said, you know, specifically said under the deal, you know, they, they were, they were trying to work out a deal like a 50-50 deal, and he said under the deal that Lapid agreed to, it was a hundred percent for for Hezbollah and zero percent for Israel, and he was, you know, shocked at, at you know, that how terrible the deal was for Israel. Um, when you enrich terrorists, when you give terrorists more money. They have more money with which to attack Israel. They, I mean, Hasrallah, you know, we, we, you know, some some people like to think that terrorists, uh, the Shia terrorist, is rational and thinks rationally the way that we do. No, they're ideologues, and their uh, their goal is to wipe out Israel, even if it costs, even if it costs them. The, the Iranian mullahs are the same way. Um, so we can't import our sense of decency and our um, ideas about you know how we would act. Um, in a similar situation to how somebody who is an ideologue bent on Israel's destruction would act. Uh, and, and, you know, and, you, and you see it every time that money goes into the hands of terrorists, there's more terror. Um, Iran has stepped up its terror ever since you know, money, has, you know, money has poured into it and since you, know, you no longer have the maximum sanctions. Uh, since Biden has, you know, as soon as Biden started, you know, took office, he, he resumed funding the Palestinian Authority and Hamas. And then you had in May 2021, you had these massive attacks on Israel. Okay. Um, can, you, I, can I intercept, you know, inter uh, like intervene right here? Because what you're saying Absolutely. is understood because that's terrorist organizations. Now we have a Daniel Byman theory, who is an expert professor and an expert in academia on terrorist movements and stuff. And his theory is like that. Mm -hmm. And we have confirmation of his theory in two places. Actually, today we can talk about that. Well, as long as we're talking about terrorist organization, just a terrorist organization, you're absolutely right. There is no question about rationality, distancy and stuff like that. And they're going to use and utilize any money they got into continuation and development of terrorist activities. That is a given. We don't even discuss that. That's an axiom. Now, when we talk about terrorist organization, or for us, it's in our narrative, it's terrorist organization. In their narrative, it's freedom fighters. So, when that minority force becoming a ruling power, then priorities of that structure changing. And now, when they're responsible for millions of people under the rule, they behave differently. In Hamas, we see that dynam dynamic since they are ruling, and they see that popular... Uh, sentiment in Gaza Strip, for example, is not like used to be. And now they're saying, no, we're not going to participate in this kind of activities. We're not going, directly at least, we're not going to participate in this kind of activities. Why? Because they need to run day-to-day -day affair of 2 million Arabs living in Gaza right now. And they know that if they're participating in Israel, Israel response, everything that Qatar has given them going to go to waste. Everything that uh, everybody else, Turkey given them, is going to waste. And they cannot run uh, sewer uh, sanitation, they cannot run electricity, anything they cannot run, and they will be failing as a government, and they are government. The same in partially true with Hezbollah today. They are ruling power of Lebanon. Why don't you think they will utilize whatever they get for future of Lebanon? 
No, I mean, Iran, Iran is also, also, the Iranian mullahs, they're also controlling a government. Hamas is controlling a government, and they haven't stopped with their terror activities. I mean, Hamas, Hamas has been in power since 2007, and they've started war after war. The money that they get, they take, they take and they use it for building rockets and for building terror tunnels. They you don't use it to benefit their people. They don't care about benefiting their people. I remember reading that uh, something like, uh, they, they had children, little children, digging terror tunnels because they were small and they could, you know, fit into the openings. And then after they finished digging the tunnels, they killed them all so that they so that nobody would know where the terror tunnels were. Um, they put the terror tunnels under schools. They don't care. They don't. They don't care about their people. And then, and meanwhile, they they also use the money, and incidentally, to enrich themselves. You know, you have the Hamas. Oh, yeah, the Hamas officials, you know, they and their children all have these million-dollar villas in in in, uh, in Gaza. But as far as caring about the people, they don't care about the people. Why do you think you have the uprising in Iran? Because the people have been sick of how this, how this government's been treating it, and that's a government. So you can't say that once terrorists control the government, they're suddenly going to be wonderful, because they're not. Not wonderful, better. It gives them more power. It gives them more power. Okay. I got, I got your point. Understood. Uh, we can agree to disagree. But the thing is, it's, it's, a, it's a big thing. We see in, sometimes in Hamas, we see a reduction of violence from their side, at least. But now we see different phenomena in Palestinian Authority. We see different groups that establish themselves. We see worsening situation with terrorism right now in Israel. Uh, what do you think should be done right now if we're talking about security of state of Israel? Okay, I, 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 first of all, let me just say, I don't see Hamas as reducing anything. And in fact, they're extremely, they're in addition to, to sending rockets to, over to, to Israel, they're involved in many of the terror attacks in uh, Judea and Samaria and elsewhere. Um, they are, they are not, ne they have never reduced their, I mean, you know, there are times where they'll regroup, you know, strategically, you know, they'll, they'll get, they'll get hit a lot of their rockets, you know, Israel will wipe out a lot of their rockets. And, and so then they'll, you know, then they'll call a truce, but they have never changed. They have never changed their tune. They've never changed their, uh, you know, their, uh, you know, their basic documents, which call for the murder of every single Jew in the world, not just the Jews in Israel. Um, they, th these, these are ideologues, hate, who are hateful ideologues who are bent on destruction. And I'm sorry, what was your, what was the other question? Ah, the other question was the terrorist <laughs> activities all over you, Judea and Samaria is increasing. And in this particular situation, what would you think would be right for Netanyahu government to do in this particular situation? What in this particular situation? Um, several things. I mean, you're talking about funding. One thing is to insist that the, that the U.S. stop the funding to the Palestinians. Um, because that that funding just frees up more money for for these so-called martyr payments. You know, the Palestinian Authority pays terrorists to murder Jews, um, and, and they pay them pensions that are five times the average salary of of uh, you know regular Palestinian Arab worker, and and you know they're constantly inciting. And I think Israel has to take a strong stand with the United States on that. And you know, I, I would even send you know send send the uh, the ambassador home and say until until you stop paying money to the Palestinians so that, that they can again they can take that money or save that money. So a lot of it's indirect now, but they the Palestinian Authority ends up saving money and providing government services. 
until until they stop you set, stop sending money that indirectly will help the Palestinian Authority uh, pay people to kill us, you know, you don't belong here. That's it. Um, I mean, this is one of the things that just has to stop. And, and, the constant incite, and the constant incitement, you know, you'll have a lot less terror if people aren't getting paid to be terrorists. And then Israel has to, has to take stronger actions, whether it's, you know, destroying the terrorist homes, you know, and, and one of the reasons I need the judicial reform is because the Israeli Supreme Court is constantly interfering with the way that Israel needs to, to react to stop this horrible terror. I mean, do you realize that according to the Israeli government figures um, on terrorist attacks, and this is before the, just the, the, the most recent attacks uh, that you were talking about, Israel was fa fa face, uh, suffered from nine uh, significant terror attacks every single day. I added, I added it up. And that's not including uh, the general rock throwing and Molotov cocktail throwing that goes on all the time. These are serious terror attacks. Um, you have to have, uh, you actually have to have more security forces. You have to have more building. Um, places like uh, E1, the E1 corridor between Jerusalem and Ma'ale Adumim, that has to be built up with, with the Jewish communities, um, which the Biden administration twisted Israel's arm not to go forward with. But if you had those communities, it's harder for the Palestinian authority, you know, the Palestinian terrorists to operate because you can implant, you know, your, your armed forces within, within, uh, the, uh, the the existing towns and they can operate much more easily. Um, you have to build. You have to build more. Um, you know, a lot of the problem is is, is the Biden administration so constantly siding with the terrorists. And I don't know if you heard about this latest plan, but the Biden administration now came out with a plan um, that they're going to train 5,000 commandos, Palestinian Arab commandos, in Jordan. Um, in the latest commando techniques, and these commandos were supposed to go against the terrorists. Yeah, right. That was you, Obama, you, and Obama was yeah, and Obama was the same program. I spoke. I right. in my school, in my school in NYU, uh, I had a colonel who trained them. He came mm -hmm. as a guest speaker in my Middle East Middle East class. So he was coming and telling us uh, how they do it, and I asked them all the questions. Before that, he was training Iraqi commanders. That guy, I don't remember his mm -hmm. name, even it was 2011, 2012. Right. So, but it, it was happening under Obama. Don't you think that administration is the same as Obama administration nowadays? Oh, yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. I think Obama's in the background. Obama and the the Biden administration is full of Obama people. You know, the same people that uh, you know that that Obama hired in his cabinet and, and you know at all of his top positions. Um, you know, I mean, we we have at the ZOA we have a website a web, or a web page. Um, called uh, by uh, let's see Biden uh, appointments watch, which goes into the background of the various people who he's appointed into top positions, and many of them are uh, Obama holdovers. Yeah, but the, the current uh, commando training is is probably even worse than the Obama plan. A lot of it has you know been Obama uh, Obama plans on steroids, and of course all this training is going to be not going to be used against you know fellow Palestinian Arab terrorists. It's going to be used against Israelis because that's how it's been in the past. So you know Israel has to put its foot down. The, the, the U.S. can't do this, um, and th there's. You know, I mean, uh, you know, I mean, so there's so many things that, that Israel can do, and you know, we have to also, you know, American Jews should be putting their foot down about this. American Jews, I mean, ZOA is constantly speaking you, right? about. 
about, yeah. about these issues and, and criticizing the, the terrible um, programs that the Biden administration is coming out with and its pressures on Israel and it's giving money to the Palestinians and also giving money to UNRWA. It's something like 600 million has gone to UNRWA, which is which is basically uh, employs all the Hamas uh, Hamas terrorists and uh, you know hides. Uh, rockets and in its schools for Hamas and in its facilities for Hamas. Uh, you know, other organizations need to join with us in stopping this. I mean, our tax, this is our tax dollars. <coughs> our U.S. tax dollars are going to help foment terror. <coughs> what can be in practice? No, no problem. In practice, what can American Jews do to stop interfering by American officials in Israeli internal affairs, because that's a, it's a basic, it's, it's a serious question. We know that the, it it's happens. very, se <coughs> it's an extremely serious question, and I think more of them have to join with groups like ZOA um, to to uh, complain about what the Biden administration is doing. I wish that every single organization would be complaining about this, but instead you have a lot of left wing organizations that are siding with the Obama administration. Um, you know, we're having problems with the Conference of Presidents of major American Jewish organizations right now. Uh, they, um, that's a group, of, it's an umbrella group of 51 or 52 American organizations, and they are supposed to check with the individual organizations. They're supposed to discuss with the member organizations um, their positions before they take a, make a policy, but instead, They've been siding with the Biden administration on all kinds of issues without even checking with us and without checking with the other groups in, in the, uh, that are members. And they're doing it in the name, it's outrageous, they're doing this in the name of the 52 organizations. And we certainly don't agree with, with the Biden administration's policies. I mean, you, ha you unfortunately have a lot of left-wing Jews that are on the wrong side of this and are doing real harm to, to Israel and not understanding that we need to have a united front against um, against the funding of the Palestinians, against the funding of UNRWA, against all the Biden the Biden administration's pressures on Israel, against the pressures not to build uh, communities, Jewish communities in Judea and Samaria, which are important for Israel's uh, strategic. Uh, you know, in addition to Israel having the absolute right to do this, are very important uh, for Israel's strategic depth. Um, there's, you know, I, I, you know, it, it's a huge problem. But we continue to talk and we continue to try to push these, um, you know, the correct uh, positions. Right. The, the thing is, we have a lot of structures. It's uh, you have J Street right now in America, who's doing the job, and they're totally supporting. I think they're totally supporting whatever Biden administration is doing, and they right. totally supporting all Democratic administration. Since their inception, they were pro. They were pro uh, interfering. They were pro uh, putting pressure on Israel. It's not news. The thing is, what in reality can be done? What kind of uh, uh, mechanism what kind of uh, lobby pressure can be put on biden administration because uh, in the end of the day it's uh, all questions are decided in phone calls between blinken and Cohen, between blinken and netanyahu netanyahu not even get didn't get invited even to white house after election after the last election right. i think that is it's an insult and uh, biden has just recently uh, announced that he's going to run for another term 
So I mm-hmm. think the Jewish uh, structures and Jewish organizations are supposed to put pressure right away on them and tell them, listen, we're not going to vote for you. We're not going to encourage our members to vote for you and for Democratic Party on next elections. But that should be done, as you're rightfully saying, it should be done uh, like everyone should do it. We should not be mm-hmm. dividing between left and right. We should understand that in this particular case, uh, we have to be together. The, but problem of unity, right. but problem of unity, unfortunately, that's a basic, the most important problem right now we have. Right after commercial break, we come uh, to discuss more about judicial reform and how can we, maybe how can we overcome that divide that is going right by judicial reform. Stay with us. Оставайтесь с нами, друзья. Бутик-политик. Сказал, как обрезал. Друзья, напоминаю, у нас в гостях Элизабет Берни, Сквайр, National Director of Research and Special Project Zionist Organization of America, Лиз. Welcome back. Welcome, thank you. In that discussion that right now is going on between uh, coalition and opposition in uh, Buzha Gerzog residence, president of Israel residence, the some things are very important things are raised like questions like who can cancel uh decision how knesset can overcome uh veto of supreme court for example and according to initial variants of the reform it was like simple majority do you think that simple majority is enough to overturn uh supreme court decision I think that's one of the things that maybe that maybe can be negotiated a little bit. Um, you know what, what the amount, what the number of um, Knesset members. Although simple majority is actually not easy to obtain in Israel, um, but you know I think that I think that's one of the areas that people sat down and discussed. You know that they might come to you know some a different compromise. Um, you know I don't know that that simple majority is necessarily the right number, but you know the left has refused to even sit down for the most part. Um, and uh, but by the way, I do wanted one of the re- I wanted to thank you very much for having this discussion. Um, you know, because there have been there's been sort of a concerted effort to cut. You know, and sometimes we agree on things, sometimes we disagree on things, but it's important to have these discussions um, because there has been a concerted effort on the left to shut down rational discussion and reasonable discussion, like we're having. As you know, Netanyahu was subjected to a gag order, and there were uh, left wing groups that sent around a letter uh, saying that nobody should invite the people who were, uh, you know, to their synagogues, to speak at their synagogues who were uh, proposing the judicial reforms, that they shouldn't invite Salas Smotrich and, and the head of the Constitution Committee, Simcha Rotman, um, at the Conference of Presidents when they went to Israel didn't invite them. Um, so, you know, in order to, you know, we ha- people have to hear the other side and, you know, and, and unfortunately also the Israeli media, most of it is, is doesn't, doesn't speak about the other side. So So it's, but it's, if, this, if, this if media great. doesn't speak of another side, the point of view, then what's the point of existence of that media? I mean, the point That's of right. existence That's is right. to pre- present all point of views. Otherwise, there's no, there's no point of it. There's no, there's no sense. I totally, I totally agree. So it's very important to have these discussions, and I want to thank you for having this on your show. No, thank you for um, agreeing to talk about that because it's a, it's a serious issue. The, the issue. It's, is it's my, serious. it's my pleasure. I mean. 
We've, we've been talking about it everywhere we can. Um, you know, the head of ZOA, uh, Morton Klein, has been on Newsmax and other media. He's been quoted in the Times. You know, we've been trying to get out to all the media in every place that we can and written articles in the Jerusalem Post and everywhere we can about the importance of um, the judicial reform for Israeli democracy. You know, I, I wanted to mention, if I could, a couple of the other really horrible cases that the um, this Israeli Supreme Court has decided, some of which have cost lives. Um, there was a case um, where the IDF planned to raise some buildings that terrorists or that were along a road. They were abandoned buildings that terrorists were using to attack Israels that were Israelis who were passing by on, on the nearby road. And the army planned to pay compensation to the absentee building owners. This is something that uh, the U.S. would do, eminent domain. You know, if, if there's a building that needs to be taken over, we do this all the time, routinely. And the uh, the left-wing organizations got involved, and you know, as they always do in the lawfare. I, I should mention that these Israeli Supreme Court hears 10,000 cases a year, and it only takes, there are 15 people on the court, they have uh, panels of three judges, and it only takes two judges to overturn an action, an, an action of the Israeli government. And they take on any kind of case. In the United States, uh, the, the uh, Supreme Court can only hear cases that went all the way through uh, the system, you know, they went to the district court and they went to the appeals court and then they go up to the Supreme Court um, where there's an actual controversy where that the case is, is actually brought by the parties who have standing, who have some kind of injury. In Israel, they hear anything. They, 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 no standing requirements, no judiciability. You know, judiciability. The US, U.S. Supreme Court won't hear political questions. They're not going to question the, the, what the military does. Israel, Israeli Supreme Court, just they, they, they think they can decide everything. And and said, I'm sorry, what is, is interesting also is that sometimes for the basic, for the decision, they cite reasonability, not the law. Right. They say it's not reasonable. reasonable. It's not reasonable. Right. But that is unacceptable. Yeah, they don't follow the law. They don't follow the law. So, you know, in this case where the, uh, the Israel Defense Forces wanted to, to raise these buildings that the terrorists were using and pay compensation, the Supreme Court said, no, you can't do that. Again, you know, it's not reasonable or whatever. And so... This decision resulted in a terrible tragedy. Um, uh, just shortly afterwards, Arab terrorists then used the buildings to shoot to slaughter a young pregnant woman. Her name is Holly. Uh, her name was Holly Hatuel, uh, who was driving along the road, and her four young daughters. Her daughters were ages two to eleven years old. This is a tragedy, and this is why people say that the Israeli Supreme Court has blood on its hands for for, for cases like this. Um, Another uh, another issue is um, that the court permitted these terror-supporting political parties who openly seek to violently overthrow Israel to run for the Knesset. And they were talking about some of the Arab parties who op they openly, you know, they sing and they go to their conventions and they sing these songs for blood, you know, the bloody takeover of Israel. Um, and these, these, and the Knesset an election has something called the Central Elections Committee, and the Central Elections Committee disqualified these parties uh, because they violated Israel's basic law, uh, it's Knesset 7A, and because the basic law bars parties and candidates that incite racism or support armed struggle 
by an enemy state or terrorist organization against Israel. You know, so it's you know some of these Arab parties have also um, some of the, the members of Knesset have even spied for Hezbollah. Um, and the Supreme Court overturned that. They overturned the Knesset Central Elections Commission and, and they violated Israel's basic law um, barring these racist parties. Okay, another example. Israel has uh, a law against uh, uh, BDS, boycotts, divestment, and sanctions. If you're supporting, if you're a... Um, one of the people who is an activist who's supporting the BDS, you know, who's a BDS activist, uh, then you can't come into Israel. So there was a woman who was the head of the uh, Stu Students for Justice in Palestine is a BDS group which torments the Jewish kids on the college campuses. And she was the head of the, the, uh, the Students for Justice in Palestine chapter in her, her, in her college. And, you know, a year and a half later, she decided she wants to go to Israel to study in Israel. And so uh, Israel, you know, the Israeli officials said, you know, you can't come because of this 2017 law, barring the entry of BDS activists. This is a law passed by the Knesset. And uh, the Supreme Court says, no, 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 you have to let her in. Um, and actually, the, the uh, Gilad Erdan was then the public security minister, and he said that, that, I'll quote from him, the Supreme Court granted a great victory to BDS. The Supreme Court's decision has undermined the ability of the state of Israel to fight the boycott activists who harm us all. Um, that's that's uh, yet another example. Um, I'm so sorry, Berlis. We have to. We have to. We have to come okay, to an no, end. I can go on and on. I understand, <laughs> but the, the thing is, is a broadcast time is limited. As next show is coming up. Thank you very much for participation. We're going to talk next time. Thank I hope. Thank you so much. I, I look forward to it, Carol. Thank you very Thank much you for very having much. me here. Thank you, Liz. Thank you Thank very you. much. All the best. Bye bye. Boutique Politik. Сказал, как обрезал.